My name is Sarah Inglis, and I'm a certified integrative health coach. I help people thrive in their bodies and reclaim the health they've always wanted. Each week, I interview people who have a passion for health. You'll hear from health experts, farmers, herbalists, doctors, chefs, and many more. My hope is that they'll inspire us all to tune into our gut and notice how lifestyle and food impact us. As a whole life coach, Lauren works with people who feel stuck, fed up, and frustrated with where they are in life, either professionally, personally, or both. They are ready for change and crave the courage and confidence to get to work, to create a life they love, instead of living one they tolerate. Prior to becoming a certified coach, Lauren worked in a family business for nearly 20 years. When she left, many people described her departure as a midlife crisis, while Lauren calls it harnessing her midlife confidence. This decision to leave served as the catalyst for her to stop settling and live her life on her terms. Lauren lives in Acushnet, Massachusetts, with her husband, daughter, and dog, and enjoys going on nature walks, listening to podcasts, playing cribbage, and watching sports. Well, hi, Lauren. It's so great to see you. And thank you for taking time out of your day to speak with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So to introduce you to, to the audience, I'm really... I'd love to hear your story about why you became a life coach. Well, for me, it's, I think, more about how. What was interesting for me as my backstory is I worked for a family business for 18 years. And when I experienced a shift in deciding I wasn't going to be there anymore and I wanted to leave, I spoke with someone who had been going through breast cancer. and. I was receiving her messages all along about follow your heart, follow your path, seize you, you know, seize the day, all of that. And it was so inspiring. So when I saw her in person after giving my notice, she said, so what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. I, I just want to inspire and empower people to live the life they want to live. And she said, what about life coaching? And I said, what the leap is life coaching? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Because I had never heard of it. But as soon as she said it, that was in early December of 2012, I immediately went to Google to kind of find out what it was and was just inundated with information and then flooded everything came my way. And when I landed on the Coaches Training Institute, which is now called Coactive Training Institute, and I watched their introduction, introductional webinar, it just hit me. It was like this. I had never heard it, but I felt like when I watched that, it resonated with me so strongly that that this was my path and this, and I was the person that they were talking about, about coaching. And when we talk about, you know, like the gut, right. I felt it like nobody's business in my gut that I was like, this is it. Like, I don't know what comes next. I don't know how to do it. Like, I don't know anything about it, but this was my path. That's so interesting. You know, I had not a totally dissimilar experience with, with falling into health coaching. I'd never heard of a health coach before. I knew I wanted to get into, back then it was called alternative holistic health. 
but I didn't really know what path. And then all of a sudden, literally, I got a pamphlet in the mail, a big brochure about the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And yeah, like you watching the webinar, it's like, whoa, this is what I've been thinking. I never knew it existed. (laughs) Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. wonderful. I love that. So in, in your training, or I'm sure you've evolved your own method too, just beyond your training, I would imagine. But what approach do you use or what kind of tools do you give your clients to help them live a life they love? You know, I, I think what we what we found so interesting about our messaging is that we both say to trust your gut. And for me, my messaging for clients is to stop settling and release their oblig- stories of obligation that they have to, in fact, live the lives they want to live. Each client comes with a different story, right? Different, mm-hmm. different cords that keep them tied to what they they think they want or what they they think they should be doing. And what coaching does is it just allows the the time and the space to really feel into what you want for yourself. When it comes to tools, it's a lot of reflection, but it's a lot of trust that they that I encourage them to build for themselves, right? A lot of muscles of patience and curiosity and things that they, like if you were going to a gym, you would work on your arms and your legs, and right? You'd work on your muscles to make them stronger. There are muscles that people have around setting boundaries and following your heart and trusting your gut and all of those things that they, they just haven't been using those muscles. So it's really identifying those parts of themselves and with practice and consistency, making the decisions that resonate with them. Oh, I love your use of the word muscles because the approach I use too, you don't want them to become codependent upon you. You know, you want them, you want to empower them. And the idea that everybody's unique we're all bio individuals and to f- help them figure that out. That's, I love that expression. Yeah. Thank And I think it resonates with people too, because it's, everybody has the capability. Everybody has the option. It's just who is going to choose it to step into that space or not. And you know, much like you, I don't say that coaching is a need. It's not something that someone needs. It's something that they want. And when you want something and you want to change and you you want to work on whatever is causing you the, the angst or the confusion or the overwhelm, then you you want to put the work in. I know that you, you just said that people come to you in all different stages of life and where they might be stuck. But I'm wondering if in your practice over the years, you could say that you may have seen, especially because after going through the pandemic, pre-pandemic, since we all seem to frame life in terms of pre and post-pandemic, if you've attracted clients that may be stuck in one particular quadrant of their life, whether that's career and vocation or love and relationships or health and well-being, or I call them time, freedom, and money. Have you noticed that or it's impossible to say? Well, it's not that it's impossible. I I think the consistency between clients is that they they feel like they're they're settling or they're not 
living up to a certain level that they envision for themselves. They're complacent in ways where they don't want to be complacent, but they're not sure how to, what that looks like because they only know what they know, right? Mm -hmm. You're only privy to what you had in experiences and education and relationships. You only know what you know. So when you enter into a coaching relationship, it really is about connecting to that part of yourself that wants something different. A lot of times, and I love this, this verbiage of encouraging people when, when you speak with them to not ask about, so what do you do, right? It's not about the doing when I talk to clients. I want to know who they want to become, mm. right? So even if they're searching for a new job or a new hobby or a new place in the world or whatever it is, I don't want to know what they want to do. I want to know how do you want to feel? very similar to you from a health perspective, but it's how do you want to show up? Like, how do you do want to be like super busy and challenged and, and always on the go, go, go? Or are you, are you yearning for something simpler? Are you yearning for something that fulfills your heart? And maybe it's not about the financial gains. Maybe it's finding something that's more fulfilling in some other way. It's identifying where those pockets are, where those, where the voids are for people. And then leaning in to discovering, okay, so if this is the void, if this is what the space is, what muscles do we want to work on? What do we want to, how do we want to activate that part of yourself? So you start feeling the way you're envisioning you want your life to be. So most of the clients that you work with, are they one-on-one or are they in groups or does it vary? Mostly I have one-on-one clients some of whom come to me on their own, some of whom come to me from their their places of work if they're lucky enough to have a, a, a company that wants to invest in them. So if we're developing leadership skills, if we're developing boundaries, if we're developing how to delegate and lean into that, that space of what it means to be a manager, or it's in their own lives, it's learning how to set boundaries and prioritize their self, themselves and and not put the needs of other people ahead of what someone is wanting for themselves. Mm. Group work is is so fun. I love doing that. I used to call them empower hours before the, the pandemic when we would meet in person. Yeah, but group work is is great. You know, it's it's a way of having not only an important topic on the table to be coached around, but the camaraderie that a group brings really elevates it to a whole nother level. So it's it's really the group that that takes that experience and moves it forward. And me as the coach, I just facilitate the conversation. So I am I'm open to both, but for, for right now, one-on-one is more where where I'm landing. Do you feel overwhelmed with the thought of transforming your health? If the idea of creating a balanced diet, managing stress, and forming new sleep patterns stresses you out, don't worry, I am here to help. As an experienced integrative health coach, I can help you develop signature health strategies that work for your lifestyles and goals. After working with me, my clients have lost weight, improved their sleep, and reversed lifestyle diseases. I'm offering three free strategy sessions before the end of the month. Click the link in the description of this podcast 
Book yours today. Well, that's, it sounds like you've really done, um, you're utilizing all of your skills by tying in what you learned before being a life coach and being a business woman and that experience and transferring that to being a life coach. Yeah, that's great. The stuff I'm learning now, and I think it's the, the time too, there's so much more information out there regarding company culture and leadership and, and all of those skill sets that, I mean, I'm a firm believer everything comes when it's ready and, and in the time that it's needed. And so I you know I sometimes imagine if I had the tools I had now and I went back 15 to 20 years to work in the job that I used to have with the skills I have now, I would have approached it completely differently. And if I had known about coaching years ago, I, I wonder if I would have hired a coach, I probably would have left the job a lot sooner than they did. Right. <laughs> but everything happens in its time. And for me, you know, after 18 years of, of being there, I was 40 when, when I made the decision to leave. And I say this, that, you know, some people might've viewed it as a sort of midlife crisis, but I felt like when I hit that age and all through my forties, there was this midlife confidence. I didn't want to settle anymore for feeling less than or feeling like I wasn't at my potential or I wasn't following my purpose. So I like to reframe when people feel like they're in some sort of midlife crisis. It's really just your body's way of telling you you're meant for something else, like stop settling or feeling like you're obligated or giving up any dream you have for the sake of somebody else. You know, it's, it's really a reminder that you're the one in control of your life. And if you don't make the choices to grab the reins and do something about it, it's just going to be that spiral and get worse and worse. You're saying that also reminds me how, as I've gone through the decades that, you know, nobody had ever talked about when I was much younger in my twenties, let's say, or even early thirties that that, oh, you know, you keep on growing no matter what decade you're in. But I mean, you have the choice to keep growing, right? Nobody ever talked about that. Somehow, oh, am I going to live in the same house for the rest of my life? Or, or that that was maybe the ideal even. But um, not that that's good or bad, but just that that whole idea of growing as an individual wasn't something that was ever discussed. And I think that yeah, that's what you're talking about. Like in your 40s, you still wanted to grow. I mean, right? We yeah. always still grow if we listen to it. And I feel like I don't think I had that language. I didn't realize that it was a yearning to keep growing and keep developing. I just knew that the profession I was in, like, I felt suffocated. Like I felt if I, it was almost not to be overly dramatic, but from a, like I felt like if I didn't make a change, that physically I was unwell. And I wanted to really do something where I could feel I was making a difference and I was making an impact because I didn't feel that for the time that I was there. Yeah, so I, it, I think that's so true. I mean, I yeah. see clients who physically become ill because they're so unhappy with their the circumstances and forgetting that they do have choice over mm -hmm. their circumstances don't need to rule. I mean, they have some choice, some, Absolutely. some action step they can take. Absolutely. Uh, 
So I love it that you use, obviously, the expression, trust your gut. (laughs) And everybody understands that, who you say that to, interestingly. I think for the most part, once we really dive in, I think what happens is the messages that they receive from their gut, that they they're not sure they don't have the trust, right? Maybe, maybe they, they've ignored it or maybe they did something a long time ago and it didn't work out. I feel like there's that, there's a connection to consistently listening to your gut. And, and maybe sometimes, you know, your head might override sometimes and you make a different decision or your heart can override. But when you're, when your head, even if it is, not in line with your heart and your gut. Like I am a full proponent to trust your heart and your gut over your head every time. <laughs> and when they, when those moments happen, they might be, they might be few and far between, but when all three line up, it's, it's like, that's the best case scenario when you can unequivocally say, okay, this is the choice I'm making because everything was lined up. Like that's how I felt when I entered into coaching. Like there was no, there was no wiggle room. There was no doubt. Mm-hmm. I was like all in. I had no idea what it meant. I had no idea. I knew what, what lied before me as far as like certification and everything. And, and then, but the piece that really surprised me was when after I went through training and they say, okay, you're trained, go be a coach. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like <laughs> the entrepreneurial piece oh, yeah. was completely not on my radar. So that's when I was really diving in because I thought, okay, who's hiring? Like, where am I going to go to be a coach? Mm-hmm. And this was 10 years ago. So this was right. before the idea of employee engagement and talent development. And, mm-hmm. and those phrases that are so prevalent now, they might have been around 10 years ago, but they weren't in the mainstream. I wasn't hearing those phrases, mm-hmm. but that's what I envisioned. And so I just continued on with my certification and and getting the experience and entering into relationships that would help me with referrals and and just started building building the business little by little. And that's how it kind of evolved. It was never my vision to be a business owner. Once I learned about coaching, I was all in for coaching. The entrepreneurial piece was kind of like the thing they tagged on at the end. So have you... um created relationships with particular businesses over time or, yeah, sought out businesses to help? I mean, because you're right, especially since the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. The whole keeping their your employees healthy and happy. Is yeah, I mean, they're one in the same, priority right? priority now, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because it's one thing to be physically healthy, but then there's a huge conversation now about, you know, mental well-being and psychological safety and Mm -hmm. And having a culture in your organization to support that, to have those conversations, to have that sense of compassion. If you don't have that in your company, then people are going to leave because there's that, the obligation that I talk about a lot because of the pandemic, that obligation to stay somewhere where you're unhappy, there's that the loyalty is not there anymore. People are not settling for an unhealthy work environment. They're finding other, they're finding other jobs. They're going other places because they're not willing to sacrifice their mental well-being in a company where they don't feel seen, heard, or appreciated. Yeah. And I would even say pre-pandemic, 
the whole sense concept of loyalty. I, I used to work in corporate America before being a coach was disappearing. You know, the idea that you'd get a pension was disappearing, that, oh, you're everybody's replaceable was very much the, so what did they, what do corporations expect? They weren't being loyal or demonstrating some kind of loyalty or caring for their employees. But this is all especially, one might argue, is this especially, I'm going to ask it as a question, good news for women? When I think of when I first joined the workforce, you know, we weren't even allowed to wear pants. If you can, you wow, know. yeah, wow, <laughs> that's funny. What <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of women. I was in banking, so a lot of women at that time felt like they had to sort of. I mean, people will laugh at this, but almost dress in a female way, like a man. So the whole idea of a little bow tie came into being, you know, silk, you know, if you had a pretty blouse mm -hmm. on, I thought, no, I am not doing that. Why? <laughs> I don't, want, I am a woman. I want to be a woman. <laughs> yeah. But do you, have you noticed that? Do you think there's more attention or, or? Well, I, I think that women are now feeling more empowered to be who they, who be who they are. They're not conforming to be in a certain way. And those are in the healthiest of environments, mm -hmm. the environments that, you know, male or female, or it's, now it's whatever, however Don't you identify. It. Yeah. However, you know, yeah, it's, exactly. it's supporting that in a way that it doesn't matter how you identify. It's from a personal standpoint, are you, are you a, a good person? Are you are responsible? Are you intelligent? Are you showing up? Are you doing the work that hopefully you enjoy doing for a company who enjoys having you there? Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's the secret right there is making sure that you're aligned up with someone who, a company who appreciates you for the work that you do while you're there, right? Yes, there's responsibility on social media and not being silly and posting things that are irresponsible. Mm -hmm. For the most part, businesses want people that are, that want to come to work. And it's that mutual relationship of mutual respect and having those conversations. How are you? Mm -hmm. Not just how are you doing on your project? So are you meeting the deadline? It's like, how are you? How's your family? Mm -hmm. How are you feeling? Right. Having those intimate, very brief conversations to, to acknowledge that you're human. You know, you have other things going on outside of work that sometimes are going to have your attention. It's being seen in that way to know like that's, you're human, you're a whole person. So mm -hmm. showing up with, with what you have, you know, the long goes the days of leave, leave your problems at the door or, you know, don't bring it on the elevator with you when you come to work. It, that's, it's not, it's not physically possible mm -hmm. to, to separate yourself when you're a whole person. So having the support at work to be able to be vulnerable and have those conversations. And that's, that's a muscle in and of itself, right? To, to be able to be vulnerable with someone that you trust, especially at work. Do you find this information helpful? Is there a certain topic you'd like us to cover? Leave us a comment and review about what you'd like to hear. 
Well, and especially I would say for for some managers to be vulnerable to a certain extent to their employees too. That means yeah. really acting as an authentic human being. Yeah, empathy and compassion go a long way. Yeah, they were very much segregated mm-hmm. in the past. And and I would say value, like segregating, that's a good thing. And I would say perhaps a generational shift, not perhaps, I mm-hmm. say definitely a generational shift. Yeah, and then in the course of how easy it is now to share information and research, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. there's so many people out there that are doing research on organizational psychology and, and culture and safety and now more than ever, the awareness is there. And for the companies that are not making it a priority, that's that's going to be a problem for them if it is not ready. In your experience, do you find that companies, I'm curious, have, are devoting more resources then to this? Or that could be difficulty de- difficult depending on you know, their financial situation, but. Yeah, I think, and, and you know, it doesn't always have to be a financial investment. You know, the things that we're talking about, it's, it's about, it's amazing how valuable a simple conversation can be between a manager and an employee, mm-hmm. right? It, it doesn't have to be investing in, you know, training and, and all that, but that is what elevates your company to a different level. Mm-hmm. So, Having those trainings and conversations and coaching and and being able to invest in your team, it's like investing in the structure or investing in the the software or whatever else you're going to invest in to make your company better, making sure your number one priority is taking care of your people. Right. I couldn't agree with you more because then, I mean, just from a very simple point of view of your health, you know, maybe your employees will also have fewer sick days that you Mm -hmm. have to, you know, you're going to actually become more productive. I mean, I know there have been studies that have been done that show that if just what you've been saying, if people are validated or just acknowledged for not even things going on in their personal life, but just the quality of their work, that that goes much farther in terms of their productivity than than even a bonus, which mm-hmm. of course is great, but without that validation, you, you're. It's like you have to leave your soul at the doorstep, right, before you go into work, which is not a good feeling. No, definitely not. Do you notice a shift? I do. I, I mean, I'm not in the. I don't get to see the the big companies. Yeah. I only see what you know the the reports and the articles and the conversations. Mm-hmm. But I, I would like to believe that. There is a shift, even though on the flip side of that, I still see I have clients who just something as simple as looking for work. The whole process of doing that is is can be cold and very unpersonal. Oh. You know, they're everything online now. You know, I think I think there's a value to having a conversation and not just going by documents that are submitted. Like there's there's some people that lean on that because maybe they don't have the staff mm-hmm. to be able to invest the time into finding that that next right person. But I, I hope so. I guess I'm optimistic that things will will change and that companies will 
learned that it's much more cost-effective when you find an employee that you value to invest in them and make them want to be there and that make them feel valued because that costs less than having them leave and then having to hire someone else and find them and then retrain them. There's a cost benefit into keeping your employees. It might seem like, you know, a high expense line on the, in the checkbook, but if you compared it to letting people go and then having to mitigate and then having to hire someone. And if you use a firm for that, there's the expenses can be and, and there are there are statistics out there that it's far more far more expensive to lose an employee and have to replace them than it is to invest in them. Right. Yeah. It's it shocked me as I've watched my adult children in the past when they'd be applying for jobs and how many times they're not even notified that they they hired somebody else for the job. It's like that's not okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I understand that they might have high volumes of applicants, but still, there's something seriously not okay with that. I agree. Um, of treating people that way. At least get it automated. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is. It Figure is out a way to do it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's unfortunate that the communication seems to be lacking there, yeah. but yeah. who knows what's going on on the other side of the, other side of the screen. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I'm very curious, like, because I do everything about the gut and the gut microbiome and everything's interconnected. And I'm wondering, since you use the terms, trust your gut, listen to your gut, when did the gut microbiome first come into your awareness? For myself personally or as Yeah, for yourself personally. I'm always curious about this because I was afraid to even use the word gut years ago Mm -hmm. because it wasn't in the vernacular. It's like, whoa, people are going to think, I don't know what they're going to think. I always had a sense, that feeling that you had in your gut, like that, whether it's people describe it as butterflies mm-hmm. or nerves or whatever that, whatever that like effervescent, bubbly mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. that you have. It took me a while to learn how to trust it. Because I would feel it and I would sense it, but it was usually, it was usually warding me off what not to do. Mm. And I can't say I always listened. Mm -hmm. So it's at first, I think when you're getting in touch with that part of yourself, those are the signals you get a lot, right? It's that, that danger, danger, danger is what it's telling you, but you don't learn to trust it because again, your, your head might override it. Mm -hmm. So I think once you a few times trust what it's telling you and listen, it becomes easier to recognize what that feeling is, right? And Mm -hmm. once you learn the feeling is showing up for a reason to protect you in a way, you know, your gut is, is guiding you down what's meant for you. You know, your head is just, it's too, too logical sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it says, well, this doesn't make sense. So stay the path or do this. And your gut is like, end, end. <laughs> <I'm> more, <I'm, laughs> like, so go in a different direction. You're, this is not the path for you or the relationship for you or the activity for you or whatever it is. When you get that sensation, it does take practice. It does take practice and skill to learn what the messaging is. But once you do, it's it's an asset that 
I, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have it. And even sometimes, of course, it gives us a very strong physical message like, oh, you're feeling sick for a reason mm-hmm. or have an upset stomach, right? So tune into that. There's, they're not disconnected. Yeah, because now we, we know that the gut and the brain are connected both physically and chemically. Absolutely. So yeah, one doesn't live without the other, actually. <laughs> and then you throw the heart in the mix and it's a whole other ballgame. Right, right. If you could go back 20 years in your life, what would you do differently to, in terms of your health or health advice to yourself? Well, 20 years, you know, I had a, I had a toddler. My husband and I were building a house. We both, we worked together at the same job. Whoa, a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think it would have been to just, to slow down. And not, I was always looking forward. I was always, the job I was in, I was always three months ahead. I was always looking ahead. We were building the house and I was always looking when it was going to be done versus being in the moment of actually experiencing building it. And I wasn't super aware of I mean, 20 years ago, there was knowledge about, I mean, just think about how different the messaging was about nutrition and and what to do, right? Yeah, I just, I feel like if I was more, I do, I use the word autopilot a lot that I, you know, living on autopilot is, Mm. is a sign that something may want to change. And I do feel like I was on autopilot for years just because of the pace at which life was going and and what we were doing. Or for survival, I would, I mean, literally, right? And some days I would imagine it sounded yeah. like you had a full, yeah. Yeah. And then, and I, and I just feel like if, if I, if I would have slowed down and lived more in the present and listened to what my messaging was, because, you know, I knew all the while working at the family business, you know, almost since the day I started, I had a sense that I didn't really want to be there but I never really listened or gave that any thought. I just kept going and going and going. I told myself there was no options. And of course there was options, but I was in so, I was in so deep that, you know, I just kept going. So well, that's, that's so true for all of us when we're, you know, in a situation like that, I think for many of us. And then that's why having a, a coach, to observe because when you're so in yourself, you don't have perspective. And I'm so glad you said that because that is the perspective that you give to your clients that they, it's hard to see yourself. And then of course, when somebody points it out to you, you go, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the, the gift, the gift of perspective is something that is one of the, one of the foundations of coaching for sure. So how how would people get in touch with you? Would you like to share? Sure. Yeah. I have, so I have my, my website. My website is Coaching to Fulfill Dreams. I'm on Instagram. Same, Coaching to Fulfill Dreams. Laura Lemieux on LinkedIn. I do have a Facebook page as well. I'm not great at Facebook, so I don't encourage messaging me on Facebook, but either emailing through my website or on Instagram would be great. Thank you. That's great. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Thank you.
For over 25 years, I was a teacher, and one of my greatest joys in life is seeing people light up when they have an aha moment. It is pure magic. I've now combined teaching with my knowledge of health into live workshops. I teach throughout the country about gut health and how to transform your health. If you'd like to know when I'll be in your city, subscribe to my newsletter in the description of this podcast.